Welcome to Snakes and Otters, a pointless discussion of eternal questions. Get ready, we're about to live in your head rent-free. Good morrow, Otterites. Welcome to episode 190. I am Martin. And I'm Robert. And I'm Francis. <laughs> so welcome to Code of Honor, uh, a Founding Fathers special edition of yes. Code of Honor. Yes. Uh, so this episode, going right along with our focus on the American Revolution for the next few uh, episodes. Um, we're gonna we're gonna put some words of wisdom out there to you, straight from the founders' pens. Yeah, <laughs> I guess you'd say quills. quills from their quills. Yes. So um, let's just get right to it. Let's, let's not even uh, not even hesitate. Go and, ahead. And you want me to go ahead, Francis, or do you, uh, you want can, to take you, You're the captain, dude. I'm not about to usurp that. You tell me. Well, you know, out of gentlemanly deference, I'm happy to, oh, if you want me to cede the first position well, okay. No to problem. you. I got this because mine is simple. And, and perhaps there's something to be said for going first because mine's Franklin. Mine's yeah, I mean... Franklin. Uh, that's, a, right. that's his founding father as you get. I yes. mean, he is the... Uh, I'm so uh, glad you picked a Franklin. Yeah, well, and uh, it's interesting that one of the uh, History Channels or whatever uh, Revolutionary War series. I mean, I've got several of them. They've done them. They do them periodically, and they're all excellent. And one of the th- one of the phrases that was used, oh, in the 1820s, 1830s, uh, as to discuss the revolution, as as it had be kind of become, uh, in many respects, those figures had become uh, gods. Uh, socially speaking, to many marble people. men. Yeah, marble yeah. men. Again, you use that term, uh, and it was often said that uh, Benjamin Franklin stepped forth, stuck his staff into the ground, and out popped George Washington. <laughs> and those are the two yeah. true, you know, the heavies. Yes, as it were. Those are the two shadows. Uh, that overshadowed That's biblical imagery there. Absolutely, that was. I mean, it's intention. hard to think was... of somebody like Jefferson living in someone's shadow. That's right. But it's pretty darn close when you talk about Franklin and Washington. That's correct. And, and... Well, Jefferson was younger, and he was seen as a bit of a hothead uh, in many ways. Ironically enough, yeah, he, uh, he was a different generation, yes. slightly removed, a half generation perhaps, yeah. from Washington, but definitely a generation for Franklin, who was much older than the rest of the guys. Yes, and he's in his eighties yes. when they do. Of the Constitutional Convention, he's really, you know, by all means, he should have never survived in that day and age that long, but he did. Especially uh, was, considering the lifestyle he led. Yeah, uh, the concept of horn dog, he may have been, you know, he I suppose Louis the Fourteenth was yeah. earlier, but those those are two definite horn dogs in history. Yes, yes. there's no question. And, and he never he never walked past a table he didn't sample. That's well. That's that's another good thing. Yeah, yeah. that's good. He was a horn dog. He would have been like five hundred pounds. He had to work it off. That, that's right. Because yeah, he and he was not that handsome. But for whatever reason, the women just the, the you know I could, I could go into an Eddie Murphy joke and I won't. But you know he had it falling out everywhere. Yeah, that was just who he was. Don't well, know why. Well, he was, he was a wit. He could make you laugh as well as think. Right, and that's the beauty of somebody like a Franklin. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, the, this initial curiosity about this frontiersman. I mean, to a to somebody living in Paris, oh yeah, he, he you know Philadelphia is this wild, untamed frontier place. That's yeah. like you would think of Tombstone. In <laughs> yeah, in yeah, but you know the, he's this wild frontiersman, but with all his wit and charisma, and and he and he was not afraid to pursue. Yeah, uh, and that was just a thing. It was yeah. just just uh, the women just loved him. But then again, he was universally beloved almost by everyone. Yeah, I don't want to don't want to give him. Up. He ended up even being respected by the Brits. Very much so. That's correct. He you was uh, 
he's gone down in history as probably one of the wittiest yeah. uh, Americans that ever was, other than perhaps Lincoln and Twain. You might have him. Yeah, I mean, it's a direct line, Franklin to Twain. Yeah, very to, much so. To, you know, modern stand-up comedy. Yeah. It uh, really is a direct line. Very, very good. I like the way you Excellent. put that. But, and that's why the, the quotation I picked is, is more of a general one than a specific one. Of course, he's got them all over the place. Yes. Uh, and it's a short one. But I, it, it's so it gives us an opportunity to have some social commentary, which we don't use, I think, as often as we could have, uh, because I think we're witty on that area. Uh, we're not Franklin, but we're, we're, we're trying. We're working on we're it. We're working on it. Uh, but here's the quotation. We are all born ignorant, but one must work hard to remain stupid. Yeah. That's it's right. it's can't fix a, stupid. Can't fix stupid. That's what uh, yeah. Martin has said from the very that's, beginning. That's the same yeah, thing. title of a Rod White album. You can't fix stupid. Yeah, here uh, I thought you created that yourself. You stole uh, it from it's, Ron. It's White. Well, I think Ron stole it from, from somebody else. It's probably so. Well, I mean, ultimately, well, Franklin. You know, it's just a rephrasing of what he just said. It, that's, that's where it is. You got to work hard to stay stupid. Yeah. Or, or just to, to be stupid. Uh, and well, stupidity is is often just intentional ignorance. It's even bigger than that, I think. It is bigger, yeah, but that, that, that I think is the core that is, of it. That is true. That is very because true. Because once you're intentionally ignorant, uh, that has its own its own hubris. It uh, does. Because it it's a willfulness. Yes. And there's, I think that's where the There's the money is. shot. There's the word I was looking for, yes. willfulness. Because to be stupid requires a level of willfulness, does it not? I mean... I think so. I mean, well, I mean... Well, because it, it's almost always malicious. Because is it possible to go through life, and I'll use Forrest Gump as an example, to be really intellectually challenged in the extreme? That's not stupidity, though. But that's not, because you, you make the argument right. Forrest was actually very wise in many ways. Yes, he was. Oh, he became wise. I don't want to say he was always that, but because uh, the story is the journey of him uh, going forth. But, you know, to be... Well, then what is stupidity? Perhaps there's the question. Yeah, I mean, it's this, this idea of just... The hubris of I don't need to learn anything. Yes. Because uh, which is very simple. Willfulness, stupidity, and it's arrogance. Yeah, arrogance. Arrogance, and it tends to then project onto others. Exactly. It's you socially know, this, contagious. Well, it's well. No, I think it, it's family contagious. It's oh, you think you're better than me because you went to school. Well, it, it, it is that, but there I think it's bigger that, than there that. Is, there's an undercurrent in later American... Uh, uh, it's relationally contagious. Yes, yes relationally. Of, yeah, you know, well, I'm good enough being a farmhand or, or whatever, and you darn kids think you're so smart uh, with your book learning... Uh-huh. Oh yeah, you know, that, I face that, that. There is there is an undercurrent that then doesn't value education. Yeah, and or betterment. It right and well, it's, betterment. I think is, the, it's, is yeah, the excellent way to put. Yeah, that's antithetical to being an American. Yes, well, living right. in a living in a trailer was good enough for me. It ought to be good enough for you. And that's that willfulness, that selfishness, that hubris of how dare you try to be better than me. Well, or change in general itself. Yeah, and We've so, always done it this way. One of my hated oh, phrases, yeah, yeah, which is very similar. It's, 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 yes, it's, it's essentially it is. It's a, 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 very a first cousin stupidity. to what you're talking about. Yeah. Well, it's it's in, in many ways it is the dehumanization of everybody else. Yeah. You know. Ooh. It's okay. it's a real it's it's a 
Because it set yourself as the gold. The way Martin is going about set yourself as the gold standard of what is not just acceptable, but the top level. Like this is all you need to ascribe to being the Victor Von Doom. In other words, yes, he's the gold standard of villains. Yes. Well, yes, it doesn't. But well, being stupid doesn't necessarily make you a villain because it make you very. It can also make you very tragic. Yeah. Although, granted, Doom is also a tragic figure. Right. But. He's got the evil to go with it. Not all tragedy births evil. Uh, you, you just you triggered me when you said gold standard. I think Victor Von Doom. Yes, so just, yes. I just went there. Um, so yeah, but it, it can birth tragedy as well as as uh, malevolence. Uh, and I think it, yeah. it's not just a if it's good enough for me, it's good enough for you. I think it also is a it's fear based. Yeah. Or at least it can be. Yeah, it I think it is be. often yeah, fear-based yeah. in that I don't want to learn anything else because it might break me. Well, it might challenge my preconceptions, That's too. being broken. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. yeah, It might make me change. Uh, and I'm not changing. Right. Therefore, and sometimes people don't want to change because they like exact things exactly the way they are. Sometimes they don't want to change because they fear the unknown. The status quo is very powerful. It is. It is. Well, there's a gravitational pull towards it that you have to really work hard to escape. Well, that's the thing, though. Everybody loves stability. But right. on the other hand, most everybody also likes a little variety. And it's, it's hard yeah, to balance. It those. is. It's hard to balance because there's a lot to be said for stability, but at the same time, you never advance without chaos. Right. Well, yeah, never it's anti-evolutionary uh, to, to think yes. this way. Everything, you know, you, and to go Darwin on it, uh, only only the smart survive. The stupid don't. I mean, it, he used strong, but I'm you know I'm putting it essentially that that that's part of it. I like the to stupid think of it as don't the survive. Only the adaptable survive. And that's true. That's ab- absolutely true. Yeah. But you have to be smart enough to know to adapt. So there's well, yes, they're, but, yeah. they're, they're they're related. That's but right. You also have to be strong is, enough to be able to yeah to, to adapt. Because I mean, you can be smart and. And too weak to withstand the forces against you. That's well. That's true. And, but you can also be able to withstand the forces against you and be stupid. That's how stupidity survives. It's not wiped out. Yeah, yeah I guess, I guess that's well, true. I mean, that's a, that's you think a that you, you know? I, I like the way that you phrase that because there is no shortage of stupid people in this world. I think we can all agree with that. I think that there has been that the case in throughout recorded history. The numbers don't seem to be going down. As near as I can tell, yeah. even with the advent of public education uh, and all that, and well, one yet, would think that with the entire breadth of human knowledge, literally in our pockets and wisdom, all, all, all with their tune, that stupidity would have died out. Yet that breadth of human knowledge and wisdom, or the ability to have it at our fingertips, I think has encourage stupidity because people nowadays not just americans this is worldwide yeah they tend to think well i have everything i need to know in my pocket but they don't use it well use yeah it. because you have to know what to look up you have to know that you well, need to look up well you know? but you, that you need to look but i mean a lot of times they think well because it's on my phone that's all i need to know but if all you do is spend all day looking at tiktok then You've not learned anything. anything. I knew as soon as I dropped that quotation into the water that the, the that sooner or later the word TikTok would be used. 
I, it was yes. inevitable. I mean, I, I think it's funny that there are certain things Snakes and Otters stands for. Uh-huh. That, that through almost 200 episodes that are universal. Yeah. One is, you got to be brave. Step yes. out on that limb. This is this quote is very much about that. Very much yes, nice. that willful desire to not put yourself out on a limb. Yeah, and two, uh, a rejection of pop culture in the moment, which includes a you know everything from the Kardashians to TikTok. So mm-hmm. this you know this eternal verities, these eternal truths, the. Uh, uh, well, our eternal questions. The eternal questions. Well, yeah, uh, that's it. Is, by, by definition, is, the Kardashians and TikTok is antithetical to that. They yes. are not eternal. Yes. They God are, forbid. Yes. God forbid. Yes. I mean, no lips to only, God's ears. It only feels that way. So I, I just love this consistency throughout these episodes. The, you know, condemning TikTok is like <laughs> a regular feature of the show. It's it's well, awesome. because but because of its inherent shallowness. Yes. I think that's that's. I mean, well, let, it's, let's it's, not it's, just condemn it and, and go on. Let's say why. And I yes. think that's, well, it's the vehicle for people to to either try to be or pretend to be a Kardashian or a Paris Hilton. Yeah. It's being well, famous for being famous. That's right. Yes. Uh, it, or burying your boobs. It, it is a search for celebrity, which I think it's in itself. We could probably do a whole yeah. episode on uh, the, the the perils of yes, that and the yes. evils of that. The search for consequence without merit. Well, it's a search for meaning without contribution. Yes, yeah. I, that's another. I think you're both correct. I think you're both correct. Yeah, you know this. We don't need merit to be something. We just need to be. We just need a thousand followers. Yeah, we just need to be out there. It's like, I'm glad you're having fun dancing, but you're not really contributing a ton here. Yes, you're funny. I, I, it's okay to have people that follow you because you're humorous. Right. That's great. It's actually, a con- in many ways, there you can contribute yes. to society on TikTok, but not all 9 million of you can, or however many users. I'm sure there's more yes. than 9 million, but, yeah. you know. I mean, it's, you know, I get a laugh out of, uh, there's a Instagram about um, this dog named Clarence. Where the owners like superimpose audio that's supposed to be from the dog. Okay. Yes. You yeah. know, and it's it's very funny because he he like calls the dad Vladimir Jimmy, and uh, the the mom is Kim Jong Mom, and it's always they, they, all the little episodes on Instagram always end with free clearance, you know, and so it's funny. Is it contributing to the sum of human knowledge? No, it's cute. It's funny. Well, it, it actually and, shows a brilliance in the writing. Yes, you see, yes. and that's we love that. You know, well, yes, yes it, it, there's there's creativity there. It, yes. there's no creativity to, to to just standing there dancing in your underwear. Yeah, no matter how captivating that might be for yes. some people. So you know, it's it's funny because they're using this uh, they're using an app to generate the voice. So it sounds like this computerized voice. Uh, of the dog Clarence, it's you know I'm a purebred golden retriever from Champion Bloodlines, and you won't even let me you know chew on the couch. Uh, free Clarence, you know this this kind of silliness. And it's cute, but it's like okay, but is this something that merits this person being wealthy or or famous? I don't know. Well, I mean, but we're not saying they're stupid. 
No. No. No, that's an example where maybe they are putting something out there. Maybe they just do it like we do this podcast. Because for the sheer enjoyment, and if it touches people, great. But great. we're still going to do it. We're still having a good time. Right. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. Because you, get, you, know, cause you make the same argument about us uh, and what we're doing here. It's just we tend to be a little bit more intellectual than giving thoughts to dogs. <laughs> <laughs> Not that there's anything wrong no, with that. I mean, hopefully we're making you laugh well, a little bit right. here you know, and there, too. Cleverness is cleverness. If you ever how yeah. you can pull it off, God bless you. So. Exactly. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. Stupidity almost always lacks a sense of humor. Yeah. It does. Ooh, and I mean lovely. a true sense of humor. Not yes. just a look at, you know, laugh at me because I'm a buffoon kind of TikTokishness. And I'm not saying they're all buffoons, but I mean... You understand what I mean? Yeah. It's a look at me because I'm doing something silly. Yeah. It's a... It goes back to almost to that malevolence, that refusal... Yes. ...to be anything other than you are. And on the one hand, there's something to be said for knowing who you are. But there's also something said for knowing who you could be. That's right. Because we Stupidity all... Stupidity stops at knowing who you are. Human potential. Yes. Well, it's a sin against potential. Stupidity is. Yes. It's a deliberate. sin against potential. Yeah, exactly. Wow. Usually, Robert, that's you coming up with that stuff, but this one was Francis, and that's awesome. Well, that's, that's one I thought what I said before was pretty good. A sin against potential. Stupidity is, yeah. Yes. Well, you can write that down. You know, Francis. Stupidity, stupidity is, is a sin against, against potential. potential. I might add the, the modifier willful sin against potential. Even though stupidity is, by as we're defining it, is always willful. It's always willful. Yes, yeah. it's a willful. A willful. You can't accidentally be stupid. You can be ignorant, but yes, and, and that's yes. the thing to remember. Yeah. As much as you know, ignorance is is seen as worse most of the time. You yeah, know, we call but, it ignorant. But, yeah, because it's it's such an ugly sounding word. Yeah. Yes, stupid isn't isn't. But you know, people it's just, just untaught, unlearned. Right. But it, it doesn't imply a refusal to learn. I mean, you know, people call each other does. stupid. You know, like remember the T-shirts back in the, when we were in high school. I'm with stupid. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, everybody had T-shirts like that. And well, a, if we didn't, we wanted them. <laughs> well, if we didn't, we wanted them. Yes, because unfortunately, we're always standing on the wrong side of somebody who had them. Yes, exactly. Um, but you know, it, it's kind of thing. That's why I think willful is so important to that. Yeah, it yes, really is a willful sin against potential. Mm-hmm. I like that a lot, Francis. I like I that a lot. You can do that. Yeah, thank you. I'll take credit for it. But I think so. I, I mean, I think I that's, uh, that needs to be on Goodreads and attributed to you. All right. So let's play. Well, you know, we should do that. Wait, can we do that? Can we get an account on Goodreads and add that in? I mean, I've got I mean, I've got a Goodreads account. It's linked to my Amazon, but uh, I'm sure we could figure out a way to add quotes. That oh. one needs to be on there. Well, you know, we've talked about pulling all of our quotes out for the eventual books that Snakes and Ours will write. We will do that series of Code of Honor. And then once they're published, you know, they will, can then contribute to Goodreads. Uh, you know. There you go. Sounds like a plan. Sounds like a plan. All right. And with that, I pass the baton. Oh, yes. Le baton. All right. So I am going to do a Samuel Adams. Not the uh, beer. Not the beer. A, a, very, a very much a firebrand. It's good word. Um, it's a very good word. Patriot. Um, so somewhat in contrast to the more intellectual Franklin. Absolutely. But he was yeah. he was kind of there with that Patrick Henry group mm-hmm. of the real firebrand patriots. Uh, jumped on the bandwagon right from the beginning. Um, as Robert mentioned, 
was one. Oh, pardon me. One of the uh, founders heavily involved in the committees of correspondence during the early stages um, of the revolution. That 15 years from the, 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 you know, 1760 up through 1775, the committees were extremely important. And they got ever more important as we got closer (coughs) to to the... So that's, you know, they they wrote letters to each other and sent all of this stuff back and forth um, through the excellent postal system of the colonies um, to send these ideas around. So this is probably from one of those uh, publications of the of the uh, committees of correspondence. So Samuel Adams. Among the natural rights of the colonists are these: first, a right to life; secondly, to liberty; and thirdly, to property. Together with the right to defend them in the best manner they can. And what strikes me about about that quote is Jefferson, you know, would pick almost that language up verbatim yes. to translate into the declaration. Um, but he would he would give flower, I guess you would say. Um, dress it up. Dress Make it, it sing. Up. Make it dance. Dress the property up yeah. to the pursuit of happiness. Right. But that's what pursuit of happiness meant was owning real property that nobody can take away from you. That's the real safeguard to freedom. If I can own something, call it mine, then I have the rights, I have the ability, the shelter to then say, no, you can't oppress me. If I lose the ability to own something, then the, the inevitable, to me, the inevitable consequence is the rail cars and the ovens. Or perhaps to frame it in, t- in terms of the times, if you cannot own property, you are property. Yep. Yep. Very good. Yep. Very good. Because somebody else is owning it. Yes. Yep. Well, and if you think about why that's an important uh, aspect to the American character, in England, in Scotland, especially in Scotland, uh, and in Ireland, you know, all of the United Kingdom, the wealthy were the landowners. Even the mercantilists, those who owned the shops, owned the business but most often still had to lease the property their shops yep. were in. Yep. Most people never owned physical property in the sense of land. And even the landowners, their ownership was not absolute. No. The king could take it away from you and from your family and give it to somebody else. Yes, because often the, the that was tied up in the hereditary titles. Yes. Mm-hmm. Those are at the discretion of the throne. That's right. Yeah. Generally speaking... Now, obviously, the the you know uh, very unlikely that uh, Charles is going to go around and saying, "All right, I'm going to take your duchy away from you." Well, it was well, except for except from his kids. Um, it, it happened though. <laughs> but it can't. Yes, yeah, it, right. it, it, it yeah. happened. I mean, and that's so, that's how you rewarded a favorite and punished an enemy. and punished a you know somebody that was giving you trouble. Well, your title and the land that goes with it 
and is revenues granted, that go with that. And the revenues are granted from the crown. So I'm taking it away from you and giving it to somebody else. I mean, that's, yeah, that's no, what happened to Richard II. That's right. Well, yeah, exactly. Every time that there was a rebellion of any type, you know, it was a reshuffling of all this right. stuff. And that's a very dangerous thing to do uh, because you can miscalculate. If yep. you try and take the land away from the wrong duke or the wrong count, mostly at the duke level, though, because they had greater lands, greater money, uh, they can raise an army against you. Well, yeah, yeah, which well, is where those rebellions come from. Well, they're also, uh, the, as I mentioned in an earlier episode, the ducal titles, uh, they actually didn't exist for a long time. They were created yes. because <laughs> they were relatives of the sovereign. Right. So they right, were, yeah. they, but by the time you have multi generations, it's not hard to have lots of them. Right. I exactly. mean, it's, it's earls and everything. Yeah, exactly. And could, but the dukes could, are the ones that they've got a claim yeah. somewhere along the way. They've got a claim. And therefore, they're the most dangerous. Yes. Yeah. And you could take it away from them. That's right. So, and, which you know, happened, and Adam's saying here, if, if my ownership of property is absolute, I am secure. And I can secure my other rights from there. It all flows from that. That's why ownership of property is so important. And we must never surrender that. You know, this idea of, well, we, you know, we can't own private land because that's bad for the environment and this and that. I'm telling you, if you surrender your rights to own land, the next step is you have no freedom at all. And you're going to end up on the cattle car, and you're going to end up, you know, headed towards the ovens. And it's it, you never maybe not never, immediately. Yeah. Well. But it, yes, that's but, yeah. That's, there's, never, there's no never there's nothing surrender. to stop that from happening. Yes. Maybe that's a better way of putting it. Because yes. Because what if you're secure in your property, you have, you know, your rights as a citizen flow from that. If you don't have rights to property, you are not a citizen. You are a subject. Well, that's correct. And subjects are free to be dealt with as seen fit yep. by those in power. But citizens yep. are not. Yep. Citizens are protected by the law in some fashion. Yep. Now, you can you can abrogate and lose those rights, of course, by your behavior. Uh, yes. There are certain rights that are absolute, mm -hmm. but not all rights... Are all rights still come with some limit? For instance, you cannot use your property to, you know, house insurrectionists. Uh, you know, right. I mean, well, you know, run to, a meth lab. There's an or easy to, run to, a meth lab. Yeah, I mean, to break the law, sure. That's correct. Yeah. But it is your property, and there are, you know, the the laws for seizing it. seizing it are have to be. There has to be a high burden. Correct. Of the government yeah. to get there. Right. You know. Um, and I mean, by that, I mean real property, which means land. That's correct. You know, I'm all for, like right now there's a current issue in our fair city of Louisville with street racing. Yeah. So. That's still a thing? Oh, I mean, it's an much. issue? Yes. Oh, very much. Okay. Uh, last weekend, um, they estimate almost 300 vehicles involved in street racing Holy all crap. over the city, uh, including uh, enough to close down uh, a major intersection in the western part of the city, 18th and Broadway, Damn. where they had emergency vehicles 
fortunately not on a run, but emergency vehicles and others trapped in a backup as the street racers closed the intersection. Mm. And of course, you know, the impotent city's response is, well, it's a $1,000 fine. Well, I mean, you're talking about people who have maybe poured 50 or 60 grand into these cars. Mm. A $1,000 fine is not going to do anything. Presuming they even pay it. Or you can catch them. They, yeah. they made one arrest. One. Some kid from Shepherdsville didn't get back to his car and took off on foot. And they ran his license, I think, and, and arrested him. So, ironically enough, without... Oh, you mean uh, ran, ran his car license, though, right? Yes. Yeah. So, ironically enough, they get him because he wasn't in his car. Yes. Um, you know, that's a common tactic, though, is to remove the license plates when you're racing. Right. Well, yeah, so street they can't cameras. run it. Yeah, but... You know, again, they estimate there were 300 cars of, involved in this incident, and they they made one arrest. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm like, you know what? The only way this is going to stop is you got to seize the cars, you've got to impound the cars, and send them straight to the crusher. That's the only way this is going to stop. So, yes, I know that's at odds then with this idea of, of private being secure in your property. But as long as that law is in place and that burden is met, that you've got evidence that, yes, you participated in this street race, you're forfeiting this vehicle. Well, this is the this and is the contention, but it's, though. But it's not real property. It's land is the well, real property well, that has no, to be protected. Wait. We define real. <coughs> that, that has a very legal yes. implication. Yes, it does. It does. Yes. Very much so. It, it is tangible property. Mm-hmm. Cars are real property. Um, now, they are not land, but, but you but have they, to remember that... They don't increase in value. Well, they depreciate. Yeah, I mean, they, generally they depreciate. Well, yeah, uh, it, well no, land no. can also depreciate depending on what's done to it, or not done to. Yeah, it. I mean, if I dig a great big hole and throw trash in it, yeah. Right, but I mean, you can devalue land, yeah. but not all land but can generate can, income. Well, land cannot be devalued to zero. N- well, See, I don't know. You make a uh, garbage pit out of it. It's it's still, you dump oil on it. it it's it's going to be it's uh, pretty damn close to zero. This goes back to my real estate licenses days. That's that's how the law it, rates. It yes, it can't be devalued to zero because you can't tax zero. Well, that's that's a different thing. <laughs> that's a different thing. That's entirely a different thing. Because it, you're right, it cannot be set to zero value because, but that's precisely because they can't tax zero. That's the main reason. I mean, think about it. And, you know, and if it's zero, then really, who cares who owns it? Uh, so, uh, we'll get there. Um, but I, I think this, um, what you're talking about, though, as in so many things, when it comes to liberty, you have, there, it's a fine line. Yes. Because liberty, in the sense that you're talking about often, and I'm not saying you're doing this, but I think your sympathies lie there, and that is that there is there is the tendency to want to divorce oneself from everything else outside of their property. Okay. And the problem with that is that 
unless you are living on a huge farm in Montana or wherever where you can literally be totally 100% self-sufficient, you're growing your own food, you're mining, you know, you're dr- drilling your own oil to make your own gas, paving my own roads, paving your own roads, building your own schools, cutting down your own tr- you get my point. Yes. Because everyone is part of a community, your property, while it does not have to be subservient to the community, it still has to support the community in some way. And I don't mean necessarily just by the taxes yes. you pay. Yes. There, it's partly but that. upkeep. But there is a part of that. Yes. I mean, again, here you live in, you know, in a neighborhood. We all live in neighborhoods. If you let your property slide... That not only affects the value of your own property, but it can impact the value of others. Yes. We all get upset about that. We don't want somebody in a neighborhood putting up a chain link fence all the way around the place and then letting giant dogs roam it. That decreases the value of all the properties around it. Right. So, yes, there is a responsibility to meet community expectations (coughs) with your property. But being secure in your ownership of property and having where there is a very high burden for you to forfeit under law that property is the fountainhead of your rights as a citizen. Okay, Mr. Rand. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's a good stopping spot for a bourbon break. Yes, sir. So uh, I have poured a snoot full of Evan Williams 1783 small batch which I like very much. Um, This is a sub-20 bottle. So you absolutely cannot go wrong here. Um, Not quite as refined as the Monk's Road, but still very mellow and smooth. It has a similar profile, though. I think so. Um, Um, There are differences, but it has a similar profile. It's right about the same proof. I'm sorry. Wait, you... I have Buffalo I Trace. Something that, different. The Buffalo Trace has a similar profile. Sorry. Yes. Sorry. Um, I was thinking we had the same for, for a second. So, yes, and, and I poured Robert a suit full of Buffalo Trace, which is not one of my favorite. Uh, I feel it tastes like toothpaste. See, I do not get a toothpaste taste out of it, um, but I can understand where you go with that because um, its aftertaste, uh, I can see where it lends that. Now, um, it still has like this streak of medicinal. There's a, almost a mintiness in the in yeah. the aftertaste. Um, let me take a, a sip here. I won't slurp it, but I will take a sip. So you get uh, like the uh, the monks road. You get uh, a lot of sweetness right up front uh, in the front of the mouth, especially. Mm-hmm. But what we call that pepperiness and that kind of, that overtakes almost the rest of the mouth. Yeah. And, and kind of lingers. And as we were just talking, because I hadn't had a taste in, in, in a few minutes, I noticed that that is still sticking around. And I think, at least to me, I can sort of see where you get that, that mm-hmm. toothpaste-iness. Um, but, you know, it, it's a nice... It's a, to me, it's a nice bourbon. It's probably not one of my go-to. I do like that initial explosion of, of sweet... Not really an explosion, but that initial burst of, of sweetness. But it is very quickly overpowered. Uh, by the rest of it, and uh, that I think is the where it falls a little flat compared to some of the other bourbons we have. I wouldn't turn it down necessarily, but it's it wouldn't be my popular. first. It's very it is. popular. It's hard to get a hold of. It's not a huge price point. I, 
I think it's under 30. Oh, well. um, I can see this is an under thirty bottle. Of I think bourbon. it's an under thirty. Yeah. It used to be less even than that, I think, but I, they've escalated the price a bit. But um, it's hard to get a hold of. It's often on what's what's called allocation, uh, so stores have a hard time getting. A hold I don't of know it. how well you could really mix this because uh, I think the, the honestly, this is the irony of, of good bourbon, is that the smoother the bourbon, the less you need to mix anything with it. Yeah. But this, it, because it has such a strong, uh, 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 I don't say after, because it's not really an aftertaste, but uh, a strong impression in your mouth. That strong finish. Finish, yes. Thank that, you. That's the word I was looking for. Finish. That finish of, of uh, kind of this medicine-y finish is very prominent. I think it would make it very difficult to... Compliment. Compliment with like a soft drink even or anything. It's just... Yeah. It's like... This is just weird. Yeah, and you know, uh, having that little bit of that minty bit, uh, for you, it's much more of a toothpaste-y thing. Uh, you know, it's not like you could uh, uh, make a screwdriver, uh, you know, put orange juice yeah. in this, because yeah. orange juice and toothpaste do not mix. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, and I do taste no citrus in this. Yeah. Definitely there's no citrusy uh, Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I think with the Monk's Road, it was a touch of apple, almost, uh, and then the cinnamon, so it, it this uh, that just doesn't have it. This is not as complex as any of those, but it's mellow, smooth, woodsy, and sweet. And Evan Williams, you can't go wrong with. So, Francis, what do you have? Monk's Road again. Ah, uh, yes, you're, Monk's you're Road. continuing yes. with. Well. You are nursing that Monk's Road. Indeed, yes. It's uh, it, uh, it, when you find something that works, no reason to change. Actually. There you go. So I'm very, very pleased with it. It's one of the best that we've had here. Yes, that Monk's Road is a, is a very good bourbon. Yes, yes. Strongly recommend from uh, Snakes and Otters. You can use that uh, Monk's Road in your advertising, endorsed by Snakes and Otters. Absolutely. Well, we'll give you that. Very much so. <laughs> do you well, think we don't want to give that away too often. <laughs> that needs to be paid for. I mean, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we need some revenue stream from that. But, Remuneration here is... Uh, but, uh, you know, just as a... You know, to put that out there to get the ball rolling, we're willing to let them have that yes. one. Yes. Yes. All right, so Robert, you're going to want us to repeat these before yes, you, I do. Before yes, you I hammer do. this home. All right, so Francis, go ahead and repeat yours, man. Okay. Ben Franklin. Yeah. Yes. Old Benny, as they Yes. As they Benny call boy. Him. Yes. Uh, very simple. We are all born ignorant, but one must work hard to remain stupid. Yes. Excellent. Very good quote. Yes. All right, Samuel Adams. Among the natural rights of the colonists are these. First, a right to life, secondly, to liberty, and thirdly, to property, together with the right to defend them in the best manner they can. Now, it's interesting you focused on property yeah. with that, because that was his third. Presumably, they were in order of importance, uh, with the fourth being the, the tying them all together. He was, he was being the hammer with that fourth one. Yes, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the right, right to, defend. to defend them. Yes. yes. Um, so mine is a John Adams and Adams does not get enough credit for the real literacy of what he wrote over time. Yes, he did have his issue. I saw two versions of what was the same quote attributed to two different people. Just basically praising him, but then saying, yeah, but he's such a goof. Yeah. I mean, he, he went down a road of reverence for the leadership. Yes. That he could credibly be charged with being a monarchist, 
which really hamstrung him as a president and as a leader of the Federalist faction. Yes, I spent a good deal of Senate time while he was vice president debating what the title of the president should be, how you should refer to the president. Yes. Which everybody's like, who gives a flying rat's rear end? Yes. You know, so, so anyways, but this one, uh, to me, I, I like this for a lot of reasons uh, because I think it speaks to the American character uh, that we have talked about in these last two episodes, as well as, I think, doing a credible job of incorporating your two quotes. Defeat appears to me to be preferable to total inaction. Mm. Now, this is a concept that we have discussed many times in various forms on snakes and otters. And let's take it piece by piece here. Defeat seems preferable. Well, defeat implies, as we like to say, that you have been in the arena. Yes. That you have been striving. Yes. And you have been trying to, and for, coming from Adams, I would say, trying to better yourself or and or your yes. community. You strive to seek to find and not to yield, to use Tennyson's words. Yes. The, and, the will to walk out on that limb and make something, make yourself better, make something happen. Yes, and it could very well be, because there is not a context to this, this quote, uh, this could very well mean that uh, come from a time he's talking about the revolution, mm-hmm. because total inaction and defeat. You, know, you think about total de- you know, be- being defeated is preferable, meaning striving for that independence is preferable to just not doing anything and letting it stand. Because yeah, again, the status quo is powerful. It is, but if it's intolerable or you feel it's intolerable, but yet you do nothing about it. What does that say about you? Right. And that total inaction, I think that in many ways encapsulates that one must work to remain stupid. Mm-hmm. Uh, because total inaction really isn't total inaction right. when you think about it. Yeah. it's it, There's a lot of work. Because I think that does imply what you're talking about, Martin, is trying to maintain the status quo, changing nothing. Yeah. It actually takes a lot of work to change nothing. <laughs> Well, yeah, because we we tend to uh, the universe tends towards entropy. You have to utilize energy to prevent that. I mean, the, yes. those two things are in opposition to us in all things. Right. You know, things. You know, yeah. living things, not just people, but communities. They live. They change. They grow. They die. That's right. So, that, mm-hmm. so for an individual to, they're essentially fighting entropy and yes. expending energy. Well, yeah, we are so. all, for the most part. Although I could make an argument for, for couch potatoes, not. Uh, but we are all generally fighting entropy in one way or another. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, couch potatoes are probably just giving into it entirely. <laughs> That's not to say we can't, that we don't all uh, do a little bit of couch potatoing. Uh, certainly yeah. like to veg out in front of the TV every once well, in a while. Well, in moderation, such yes. things are, are, are but okay. To, but to me, that's a, a, a res- respite from... Yeah. To call somebody that implies that it is the norm, yes, not the yes. exception. Oh, shut up. If I could figure out how to turn that off on this, I would. Siri, stop interrupting us. Anyways. <laughs> I just checked to see if she had something to say about that. But Let you, me know if that works. Yeah. Uh, well, you, know, you didn't say, hey, Siri, stop interu- interrupting us. So maybe that'll work. Oh. Uh, so anyways, uh, that total inaction... Uh, really, I don't think that's what that really is. I think it really is trying to maintain the status quo. Uh, because, again, 
too afraid to change. Uh, maybe maybe your status quo is just really good to you, yeah. and maybe that's the problem. That you know maybe that's the, what you want to be. Well, yeah. In your I mean, well, well, whether it is truly good for you or it is apparently good for you really doesn't. Well, matter. yes, I'm thinking more in the the sensualist, the the physical uh, sense of the word, because most of the time the things that are good for you are going to be a little painful at first. Change implies some pain. Absolutely. Yeah, no question as to that. So, and that's, I think, why the, the stupid want to be stupid, because they want to avoid that pain. And that's why, uh, I think Adams talks about this in, in terms of defeat being better than total inaction, because he's willing to accept the pain. Yes. Again, I'm struck tremendously by the bravery Yes. Um, that was one of the things that united them. Again, Adams is a very, very different person from a Jefferson or a Madison or even a Washington. Yes. But they are united by this bravery of, you know, Adams is not a military man, but if they'd have lost, well, and he's not he'd, have been on, he'd have been on the scaffold too. Absolutely. And, you know, he's, he's different from them in, in this way as well. He's not a landowner. He's a lawyer. Mm-hmm. So... You know, he, he's, he has to work personally. He can't have slaves to work the land for him. He can't have slaves to write his briefs. Yeah. You know, he's doing the work. Uh, it's a very, uh, you know, it's intellectual, but it's, it's a hard work. And it's his income, his stability is directly proportional to the amount of work that he does. That's an important distinction. Uh, he's, very, he's much more of a yeoman type of... Uh, yeah. Uh, person than and uh, uh, Jefferson or a Washington, and uh, you know, he, he's much more like a, uh, a Sam Adams or who is his cousin, yeah. uh, or a, a Franklin. You know, mm-hmm. they work for a living. Very self-made. They're the sergeants. Yeah, they work for a living. Yeah, <laughs> don't call them sir. Yeah. Um, now, the, how this I think relates to you is that last piece. It's not what you focused on. Yeah. That last piece about defending. Yep. Because if you're not willing to defend it, that's total inaction. Yep. Yep. And defeat, I mean, you, I would presume you would rather go down in defeat trying to defend what is yours than to have not had it at all. Yep. And honestly, if we're not willing to speak up for our rights, essentially that's what this, this boils down to. It's not just... Property, because when you talk about life and liberty, you're talking about all rights. And if we're not willing to defend them, then to me that's that's the height of ignorance and stupidity. You're not ignorance. I mean, height of stupidity, as well as um, in not and you're you're not just inviting defeat. You you are in, or not, you're not just accepting the possibility. You're actually inviting defeat into your own home. Yeah. And trying to make good with them. And whatever they say goes. And I think this whole idea is so American. Die trying yep. is, is much better than to not try at all. Uh, it, you, know, you want to talk about Braveheart. Mm-hmm. Uh, the quote where uh, 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 William Wallace says, you know, <coughs> those who weren't with us here think back on their dying death, you know, on their deathbeds, you know, wishing they were here, they would trade their manhoods, uh, you know, for being, I forget the exact quote, I'm sure Francis can give it to us if we wanted it, but the point is, 
You would give anything to have fought. You're you're fought. intertwining Henry V, I think, with. Oh, I'm sorry, Henry. The, yes, you're right. You're right. I'm sorry. I, I mean, it, it, yes, both speeches are very similar. Yes, they are. You're right. Yes. Hold their man who's cheaper cheap. were not with us on St. Crispin's Day is yes, yes, Henry V. Yes, yes. Right. Yeah, manhood's the... We yeah, you're right, you're right. Yeah. You're but right. Many years from now, dying in your beds, you know, that, that's, that's the, that's that's the one I'm thinking of, yes. Mm. Um, Would you be willing to trade this day... This day, for all the days... days between this day and that, for one chance, chance. just one chance, chance to come back here and tell our enemies... I was trying to actually avoid doing the quote, but all right, because <laughs> it's so long. So you but, ever take our yeah. freedom? Yeah, yeah, and, and that's that's very much. I don't uh, know if that's awesome or depressing that we <laughs> that we can do, that we, we can, can that. distinguish between Braveheart and Henry V. Well, we are educated Renaissance men, <laughs> and that's how I will keep it. Yes, yes, uh, yeah, it's not to say educated Renaissance men can't be nerds, uh, but anyways. I love this quote because it is, to me, it is so American. It really embodies a lot of that character of do or die. Uh, you know, damn the torpedoes and straight ahead. Yes. Oh, oh yeah, that's another awesome one, you know. You know, uh, it's all about, in, in many ways, probably in the thinking of the day, it's, you're not a man unless you do this, you know? Yeah. And I don't just mean, you know, machismo kind of a thing. Yeah. It, I mean, it you're is not... It is uh, Yeah, I mean, it's, it's... partially, but it's not just that. I mean, it's, you're not a man in the sense that... Or a woman. You know, you're not an individual. You're not a person, uh, to, you know, to go that far. Yeah. Unless you are willing to fight for it. Yeah. I mean, taking a chance... Uh, it, like you said, this it's a common theme throughout many of our, quote, episodes... Uh, quote a uh, code of honor episodes of you know life is about taking a chance small chances big chances whatever um, you know I, I get on the road behind people and it's like why did you leave the house if if being on the highway terrifies you so much that you won't go more than fifty why did you leave the house how do you what is your life get out of the way it's not just a I, I just find it stunning that it's like, come on, guys. We, we've got places to be. It's okay. Be brave enough. There's a, lo- there's a long, thin pedal on your right. Push it down a little bit. You know, that's life. You've got to push the accelerator pedal on your life a little bit. Oh, wow. That's a great, great quote. You know, we, need, we need to make sure that one comes out for our, uh, yeah. when we write the book. You know, push the accelerator pedal on your life. Get out there a little bit. Do something. I, I get that the highway can be dangerous, but come on. Let's now, go. I got to say, one thing that strikes me is how much frustration... Martin must deal with on the road every single day. It is amazing how often that that uh, metaphor uh, uh, comes up. Exactly. Yes. Right. Exactly. It's it's it I is mean, beyond my ability to understand how much he he must deal with for this to be so common. Your yes, example. So, I mean, it's yes. it's crazy. It'd be different if it were once a week or something. You know, you'd counter somebody, but I feel like it's every time I leave the house, it's three and four people. I don't get it. It's 
bucks the percentages. It's crazy. It's the hard braking in the left lane before getting into the median to make a turn. Mm-hmm. It seems like it's one of those every trip. Or worse, the people who turn from the left lane rather than the center turn lane. Yeah. I, it, that drives like, me nuts. It's like, dude, you can't just stop in the middle of the road to move left. It's on the on-ramps on the highway is this idea of, I've got to get left now. It's like, look, dude, there's a mile and a half of runoff up here. You've got plenty of time to move left. You don't have to hard break as soon as the double white lines are gone and then try to move left. It's okay. You can keep going. It's just stunning. I, 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 well, we, we need not to get off on Martin's pet peeves. Well, one of these days we're going to have to do a... a Another hoopajube on those sins that cry out for damnation. Yeah, that, that, yes. this one would, would sounds like. And we could focus fit. entirely on Martin's drive to work. Let, let's just <laughs> suffice to say that Martin is convinced everybody in this town is high twenty four seven. Um, everyone no, but a large percentage, I could buy that. Yeah. Uh, so they hop in the cars and wander the highways at rush hour. Which, honestly, I try to avoid rush hour precisely because I can't handle the stupidity that I, I encounter on the road. Yeah, I mean... I understand why old people don't like to go out at certain... And I say old people, and I'm thinking people that are... But, you know... We're old then. At one time, I would have considered that the people who are our, our age currently. Yeah. But I understand how... Because I don't have the... Pay, it's not that they're afraid to go out after dark. I don't have the patience for it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what amazes me. I mean, because it, it is—it's stunning to me that it's not just rush hour. Yes, it's all freaking day and all night. Uh, I was out at eight o'clock, and somehow, with the light traffic on Barstown Road at eight o'clock at night on a weekday, somebody managed to have a bad enough accident to close both directions of Barstown Road. Oh wow. At, uh, Where at? at Breckenridge Lane. Oh yeah, that's. A I mean, that's I mean, we're talking like six police cruisers and two fire engines. I could see it's if we're in the crazy because you know it's narrow up there. It's narrow up there. Yeah, this is four lanes. But that's four lanes and a median. Yes, and, and a good shoulder. And I we see we there were so many emergency vehicles, and I guess I you know yes, there's some sympathy for somebody who's injured and everything, but. So many emergency vehicles, we couldn't see what happened. Well, you know, part of that, and I know we're getting into some serious digression here, but part of the reason for that is that is because of the stupid, stupid people, you have to do that now as first responders. You yeah. have to block it off because somebody's going to run it and kill somebody else. Yeah. So like, that's a response to wow, stupidity. How do you manage to... I was like, this is a flat, straight... Four-lane divided highway, and you've managed to have an accident so bad that I guess someone has spun into the whole opposite direction. And it's or not a—it's it's not a cross T uh, intersection. It's a T. Yes, yeah. that's right. Yeah, yeah. Somebody. It, well, my guess, somebody was running a red light. Yes, almost definitely that's somebody. Which is very, coming off of Breckenridge very, Lane. very uh, socially contagious here because everybody it is. does it. It yes. is. It's, it's they'll huge. run it for a good. 
Several seconds after. Well, I've oh, seen yeah. many people run it well after it's turned green. Yeah, exactly. Because, well, the guy in front of me did it. Yeah, the guy in front of you did it. And five guys in front of him did it after it turned green. So you're just an even bigger a-hole than yeah. the rest of them. Yeah. Skip a bit, brother. Skip a bit, brother. Off. Okay, We're so let's let's, let's sum up. up. Robert, yeah, I thought you did an excellent job there tying those together. Thank you. Thank but you. But that was uh, Words of the Founders. John Adams, Samuel Adams, Benjamin Franklin. Indeed. Very well done. And I like the three that we picked for this reason. They don't get enough positive press. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. We didn't go for yep. the obvious ones, although I mean, we did with what they should be. But they John be. Adams, I mean, he, he kind of did it to himself. He did. He did. But, you know, Jefferson helped a little. Yeah. Uh, Hamilton helped a little. Hamilton undercut him. Yeah. Um, but he... But he, he did... He contributed... He's like McClellan. He brought himself along, and that was his downfall. Yeah. But it, but he had a role. He had an important role, just like McClellan. Yes. The army would not have been as cohesive as it was without McClellan. That's true. Um, but uh, you know, our praise of Franklin, our praise of, of Samuel Adams is that firebrand guy. You got to have the firebrands who hopefully then you know are willing to put out a little fire to make everything work together with with others. You got to play well with others. Mm-hmm. You know, so Francis, what's next time, bud? Hoopajoo boys. Hoopajoo. It seems like we're doing a lot of hoopajoos, but you know, it's that very rare time when you get two hoopajoos in three months. That's right. Yeah. It just it just kind of happens. Yes. But uh, we're gonna go back to the stuff that we love. Of course, we love everything, but we're gonna talk about authors that we love, and starting with Stephen King, which we know is Robert's uh, favorite to start with. And we're just going to kind of roll with there because with the Hoopa Tube, you never know where we're going to go, but you can guarantee it's going to be fun. So be here. Hope you enjoyed another pointless discussion of eternal questions. Remember, new episodes drop every second and fourth Friday at 6 a.m. Eastern. Spread the word. We're on all the major podcast platforms. And leave us a review. That helps others find us. We're on Instagram, Twitter, as well as our website, snakesandotters.com. I'm Martin. And I'm Robert. And I'm Francis. Join us next time.